You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to episode 212 of the Black Eagles Podcast. Speaking of 212, New York City's famous area code when you try to make a phone call to here. I am, of course, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City on a wintry weekend evening here in the Big Apple uh, where it's snowing. Now I've always said I don't mind snow. You know if it's gonna be cold it might as well snow so we can have a little fun with it, right? I guess that's more like when I was a kid and get out of school and all that. But anyway, uh, the positive side of winter if you will. And fittingly, right, the weather report typically ties into our favorite football club as per usual, Besiktas was back. Um, not exactly a long break, less than a week later. We never seem to get like a full week to rest, despite our various injuries and COVID cases. But it's okay. We don't mind. We, we move on, right? We're used to systemic injustice in the Super League in Turkey, in Turkish football. Um, we do have some fantastic news, however, uh, and that news is related to um, what's been referred to here on air as hashtag Caravelli season. Operation is in effect as of right now. It's been extended. The season that, that keeps on giving has been extended. He, he got a six-month contract so he can see out the season. Kind of what I said, you know, that's kind of the ideal scenario for us where we can not really focus on anything this season other than just developing our kids. He's sort of very committed to that project. He's said so many times. Not worry too much about results while also kind of making sure we're building for the future. Uh, and sometimes just doing the right thing rewards you, you know what I mean? Uh, sometimes you get results because people feel like they're involved, able to contribute. You know, that things are happening the way they should be. There's not so much discord, right? Sometimes big-name coaches bring um, their egos and kind of certain conflicts that they try to use to bring out the best in certain individuals and all that. Undir Caravelli is a straight shooter, right? We're not getting any of that. So for six months, we can just enjoy the football and the young kids and the development and all that and hope for the best, right? So that is concluded that piece of business I think um, listeners of this podcast know that I'm okay with this I'm good with this in fact I think it's sound you know obviously like Galata said I got their first choice guy um, when they wanted him good for them we didn't right we tried to get Daniel Farker he uh, rejected us essentially um, <clears throat> for whatever reasons right supposedly he was he signaled that 
things were uh, in a bit of disarray, right? And so he wanted to wait it out. Uh, turns out, I think he ended up getting hired by a, a Russian side. Perhaps they could throw a ton of money at him, but you know, whatever the logic was, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I still think we made the right call by waiting. Uh, play the long game here. Let's be thorough. Like, what if Undar Karabelli does a fantastic job, right? Maybe we find our own guy in-house, right? Just like you can develop players, you can develop coaches, in theory, right? I don't think being an outsider when it comes to Turkish football is a bad thing. Right? But like, from the coaching perspective, Turkish football has been dominated by these sort of figureheads. And I don't just mean the obvious Fatih Terim, Şenol Güneş, um, you know, Aykut Kocaman, right? Like, there's, there, there's like, um, every time we have an opening, right? So Riza Çalimbay and, you know, Mustafa Denizli, right? I mean, there's, there's so many names beyond just, like, the, the bigger ones that are just sort of tread in and out every time um, that, that have been in the, the coaching sort of mill for at least a decade, if not two, if not three. No, maybe that's a little excessive, but... Um, yeah, I mean, look. It is what it is, right? I think it's good to, that we've sort of taken the long game. That we're, we're being patient. We're, we're hopefully thoroughly scouting the scene for good coaching and someone who has the sort of approach we're looking for, you know, guys like Pinheiro or, or whatever. It, that's the kind of profile we're looking for, guys who have a track record of playing with younger guys and developing for kids in-house uh, and finding success while selling players and, and developing talent, right? So, and finding moderate success, if you will, right? Estoril is not a powerhouse in Portugal by any stretch, but nonetheless, I think certainly we can all agree that taking a novel approach and trying to find something else was not bad. Excuse me for my phone sound there. <sighs> I'll turn off the sound on my phone. Um, silence. So, let's dig in to the match itself, right? Of course, we've got Gaziantep Sport, which I mentioned last week, they had not lost in five matches. Um, they were looking pretty good. Not world beaters by any stretch, but they were ahead of us. We were in ninth place. They were in seventh on 31 points going into our match. So what can you say about that, right? Uh, we can say that given the Turkish Super League and the fact that nothing is ever predictable, in the Super League, and given that Gaziantep Spor is a side that struggled for much of the season, though had found their form coming into our match, and I don't just mean that they were they like drew a bunch; they actually won three of those matches. Um, in fact, we can go back to six matches that they were undefeated, and they won four of those matches, including a victory against Fenerbahce, who uh, it's worth noting is ahead of us coming into this match as well, in the table. Um, not to get your hopes up or anything, I mean, they're still ahead of us actually, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, and we'll get into our, our table and all that at the end, but... Yeah, I mean, point being, 
Gaziantep is a side that has beaten good sides and uh, is in good form. So we should not feel like this is a walkover, even though we're at home, right? You know, that's one thing. But they've been winning games on the road, too. So, whatever. Let's dig in. Match highlights. Or first, rather, match lineups. Um, Besiktas had some changes to make because of injuries, suspensions, and the like. Remember that big scrum at the end of the match that had Montero red-carded uh, the Adizé Sport match? Ersin in goal, Nejib Uysal and Wellington on the back line. Ridvan Yilmaz on the left side of the defense with Valentin Rosi on the right side. Joseph de Souza in the back of our midfield with Mirelem Pjanic and Ilkan or Emirhan Ilkan up ahead of him. Guven Yalcin uh, on the left side of our attack. Rashid Ghazal on the right side. And Mishi Batshuayi up top. There were rumors that Kanan Karaman was starting and Mishi Batshuayi would not be starting for some reason. Luckily, those rumors were incorrect. <laughs> uh, for our opponents, 30-year-old Turkish keeper Gunay Guvenç, former Besiktas player, uh, there for them. Alin Toshka, 29-year-old Romanian defensive player, played on the back line of three alongside Ertuğrul Ersoy, 24-year-old Turk, up-and-comer. And Papi Giloboji, 33-year-old Senegalese defender. Amadej Vetri would play the 31-year-old Slovenian right back. Uh, opposite Angelo Sagal, who would be the left back, 28-year-old Chilean. And by back, I mean more wing back, right? They're obviously playing in a 3-5-2 formation. Uh, the three midfielders they played with were Doan Erdogan, 25-year-old Turk, who came from, I think it was Austria, right? Furkan Soyal, 26-year-old Turk, who had a reputation as a prospect that never panned out. Uh, much like Recep Niaz, 27-year-old Turk, who similarly had a very high reputation as a prospect that never quite panned out. And then up top, Alexandru Maxim, 31-year-old Romanian, next to slash behind Mohamed Demir, 30-year-old Turk, uh, striker who also never quite panned out, um, though many Turkish football fans had hope for him, <laughs> certainly. Um, yeah, Under Karaveli, our, our, our manager, versus Erol Bulut, uh, a manager who has found some success in Turkey, although fleeting, which is also somewhat typical for Turkish managers up top. Now, on our bench, it's worth mentioning, so we had Ozan, Kayalaren, Gokhan Tore, Kenan Karaman, and then uh, Mehmet Topal was back, Jan Bozdoğan uh, was available, Sali Uchan was actually available, though who would know, right? Uh, and then Serdar Satji, Emre Bilgin was our backup keeper, and Kerem Kalafat returns. 20-year-old, sort of kind of quote-unquote prospect, that 20-year, a little bit too old to, to qualify, probably, or you should be, but that's where we are still, to some extent. Um, he's back, we called him back because we needed, you know, the COVID stuff and um, just general depth issues, perhaps. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, perhaps Under Caravelli recognized that Nijip is not a right back. Uh, whatever the logic was, 
he was returned. I mean, perhaps Undyar Karaveli had, you know, good experiences with him as a player, so, you know. He would have more insight than anyone, in theory. So perhaps this is the best part of having him as our manager right now. Obviously, we'll see. Now. The match. First action would be in the sixth minute. It's worth noting, and this should probably have been in the news portion of the episode. They stopped, did a moment of silence for Ahmed Chalik, Chalik, rather, um, the former Galatasaray, Konyaspor, I don't know if he played anywhere else, but um, fairly successful, well-reputed central defender uh, who passed away this week in a car accident. Rest in peace, of course. Um, and, you know, obviously my condolences to his family, friends, um, big fans of his, Konyaspor fans. Um, you know, obviously a tragedy, a great talent, but that's not even relevant. Even if he was like a terrible player, which he wasn't, um, you know, it's, it's a human being who passed away. And, uh, yeah, you never like to hear that. So rest in peace. Mr. Chalik, and uh, condolences to, to those to whom it applies, to anyone to whom it applies. Um, you don't have to legitimize it to anyone either if you're feeling hurt or hit by this for any reason. Uh, we're all human beings, right, who feel things. So, yes, condolences. Moving on. <clears throat> Back to Besiktas. Apologies for a somber tone there for a minute. 14th minute, the first real action. Emirhan Gilkan uh, has a pretty nice ball. It's a little bit behind Ridvan. He can't get onto it, but it f sort of drops, rolls perfectly into the path of Miralem Pjanic, who has a fantastic shot. Save, diving save by Gunai Guvench. He seems to play well against us, actually, does Gunai. Um, but so, yeah, big opportunity there. Apologies for that dog out there. Um, whatever. Um, Moving along. <laughs> that is so annoying. Can someone control your dog, whoever you are? Anyway. Um, the window is closed, too. That is just an incredibly loud dog. It's like two blocks away. Crazy. Some dogs, man, I'll tell you. Anyway. Um, where were we? Uh, 14th minute, yeah, Emilhan had the nice pass that, that almost resulted in a Pjanic goal. Uh, it's worth noting he had a really nice pass a few minutes before then, a back heel into the path of Gazal, who did pretty well with it, but then it sort of resulted in Ridvan not getting onto a ball or something. I don't remember exactly how it, how it ended, or he did, but it, he put it out for a goal kick, sort of mishit mis it himself. Whatever it was, Emirhan started off well, although, and this is a spoiler, I guess, but he flagged, really had an off day. It wasn't his best outing as a, as a player. It was his home debut, perhaps the nerves got to him. It's definitely worth noting that as a 17-year-old, that's okay. <laughs> He's allowed to have an off day. Uh, anyway, 43rd minute would be the next action. So yeah, it was one of those days. This was easily the, the most boring football match of not just 2022 because that would be an easy task but probably of 2021 also if, if it could have applied certainly this 2021-22 season uh, just a real snooze fest you know um, but so yeah uh, Angelo Sagal would have the first 
chance for Gaziantep. A blistering shot from pretty deep, honestly, but it was with enough power and well-placed enough that Ersin had to react quickly to make a save. He did so well. Um, credit to the kid who had a bit of a poor outing last week. Although when you really look at the, the, the highlights, like his big quote-unquote blunder, um, he wa there were players shoved into him, so the player probably shouldn't have stood anyway, but... Whatever. Um, right after that nice attempt by Sagal on a corner kick, in the setup to the corner kick, I believe it was Toshka, uh, Alin Toshka, the Romanian central defender that I mentioned, 29-year-old, who just straight up stepped on, like, and kind of, like, it was so conscious. He literally, like, walks up behind him, steps, like, looks at his foot, steps on it, and then Bacuay sort of falls down, like, whoa, hey, did, like, you know, trying to get ref's attention, which, yeah, fair enough, because... It's a pretty clear, not, I mean, not just penalty, but probably card. Not probably, definitely, at least a yellow. I mean, it's just flagrant attempt to injure a dude for no reason. Um, I don't know what came over the dude if he thought he was joking or something, but anyway, no call, somehow. Um, Turkish press, which usually is pretty goofy, or at least half goofy, and then there's a few decent folks who say the right thing, but pretty unanimous that nobody understood how that wasn't immediately flagged as a penalty. Anyway, halftime, nil-nil, snooze fest as I mentioned. Keeps going on in the second half. First real action, honestly, isn't until the 58th minute when Alexandru Maxim, the other Romanian on the team, another A-plus shot from distance, uh, this time Harrison has to dive, does so. Good save, kid. Keeping us in this snooze fest. Otherwise, it would be a tragic one. Um, anyway. Just eight minutes later. 66th minute. Rashid Ghazal just does it all. He, he has the ball. He gets the ball sort of deep along the right side. Nice fancy footwork. Gets around his guy and, and into a place where he can get a shot off with his left foot curving in like just just his shot the shot that he, he, he you know does or do or does does or dies by do or die does or dies um anyway gets the shot off this time of course kunai being somehow like one of the better keepers in the world against Besiktas, dives in makes a save fairly impressively and in fact gets enough on it that the ball comes out a good distance. You know, it's not like he punched it like weakly, feebly into the path of our of our attack. Yeah, it was a good solid punch, good solid save, but just a little unlucky as far as the direction goes. Nishi Bachurai was there. And just does the perfect, you know, um, without having a lot of time, right? Because you know once he has takes a little too much time on the ball, he's gonna probably flub it or something but in this case he puts a volley on it uh, even though the ball coming out with a lot of spin no less uh, one touch perfectly into the back of the net <laughs> it's funny it's like it's almost like it's easier for him when it's more of a challenge technically uh, which I mean I'll take it and, and for all the haters and naysayers uh, Mishi Bajoy has eight goals and four assists just past the halfway mark so if he ends the season with 16 goals and 8 assists, as much as 
we all know he was subpar and could have done so much more. I don't know, man. Like, people are like, he's the worst transfer of all time, the worst striker we've ever had. I mean, the worst striker we ever had didn't have 16 goals and 8 assists. That's all I'm going to say. Like, Merton Obrey, for example, never got numbers like that. Um, anyway, not for us. <laughs> um, moving on. So we're up 1-0. to nil. Things are looking cheery, finally, for a moment. Um, worth noting, by the way, in the 50th minute, Angelo Sagal comes up a yellow card. And in the 60th minute, right before this goal, well, 60th and then in the 65th minute. So in the 60th minute, Kyle Laren comes into the match for Guven Yeltsin. Ozan Ozyakub comes in for Emirhan Ilkan. And honestly, Emirhan and Guven were the two guys who needed to go. Um, Guven had become a ghost, honestly. Emir Han, you know, also a bit of a ghost, but just, you know, I think tired, his touch was off, perhaps the nerves, like I said, but whatever it was, just not his finest hour. Um, whether, like, Ozan was the call, or perhaps John, you know, that would have been the riskier, but maybe uh, high, higher risk, higher reward move, right? Whatever it is, fine. Ozan comes on. You know, I think a lot of people feel like he's a—he's like dead space, right? We don't need him. His contract is expiring. He's older. But, you know, he's had a few decent matches this season, right? He's performed in a way that, like, he gives you something known, whereas John Bozdoan has had really nice outings, and he's had some really poor ones. So it's a bit more of a risk, but, again, perhaps a bit more of a reward because if he does find his form... And can be relied on then you have two young you know Emir Han and John in the midfield would be the future in the present right anyway uh, finally in the 65th minute literally right before the goal Yusuf Turk entered the match for Angelo Sagal um, Yusuf Turk is a guy who I had not heard of coming into this match 23 year old Turkish forward so, you know, that's at least worth noting that they put a forward into the match for Sagal, who was a wing back. Um, so they're, they're, you know, he's sort of a makeshift winger, I, I would assume, but still, uh, certainly more attacking minded, clearly. Uh, but in the 72nd minute, Yusuf Turk gets himself a yellow card right after the goal that I already mentioned. 76th minute, Torgir Borven would enter the match for Recep. Niaz Borven is a 30-year-old Norwegian striker. So again, uh, an offensive move, although impromptu and makeshift, perhaps. Anyway, uh, 77th minute, Gokan Touré enters the match for Rashid Gezal. 81st minute, Alexander Merkel enters the match for Amadej Vetri, who leaves. Amadej, I like that name. Uh, right before then, on a corner kick, Rashid Ghazal found Kyle Aaron's head perfectly. Kyle Aaron, his header is down in the right way, but just a bit wide. I think it's a play that I didn't see anyone like in my group chat, for example, like going nuts about, but it was so close to being a goal. Um, Kyle Aaron was literally inches away from having his goal there. In the 93rd minute, Ozan with an just inch perfect cross into the path of Kyle Aaron who puts it in, actually, very nicely. We've got a goal, you know, he controls it, sets up, 
places in the back of the net. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Oops, whoops, sorry. Kyle Aaron was like, uh, his foot was offside. Literally, like his, his foot was off. Um, so I don't know if the pass was a little late or if Kyle Aaron, I mean, I, I always tend to be more of a mind that it's the the guy who couldn't wait that little extra bit. Although, I mean, no, I guess it, it really does kind of go both ways. Sometimes, you know, a player has to read the run correctly, but I don't know, this wasn't necessarily the case for that. I think Kyle Aaron was just an inch off, you know? It is what it is. It's fine. 83rd minute, Doan Erdogan got himself a yellow card. 92nd minute, so right before that uh, offside's goal, Karan Karaman entered the match for Mishi Batshuayi. Uh, in the 93rd minute, Joseph Ayello. You don't like to see that. Anyway, game over. 1-0. Besiktas wins! Uh, with, and I'll dive right into stats. With 58% of the ball to their 42%. 16 shots to their 7, although only 4 on target to their 3. So, far from perfect. Now, this is where things really separate. Accurate passes, 429 by Besiktas, 280 for them. Although, it's worth noting that although we created 13 chances to their five, we only created one big chance to their one. Uh, and I think that was the, the diving save by Ersin, so... Worth noting. Uh, but again, like Gaziantep was a side in really good form. They'd beaten Fenner in this in this run of theirs, so nothing to scoff at. Sometimes you gotta battle them out and, and get the win by all means necessary, by any means necessary. Excuse me. Um, but so yeah, we completed 429 passes to their 280 at an 81% rate to their 72%. So um, although they passed pretty well for the most part, and we didn't disrupt them as much as we like to. I think typically you want we want to keep our guys under 70%. That's when we have a real dominant performances. But we did well with our passes, and we were very active and involved in this match, which you want to see, especially after it's kind of come a little flat against Jizé uh, Under Caravelli's one negative result. Although it's worth noting, he was not the coach. <laughs> we had Oca, Senor Octa in there. Um, anyway, let's move on. Player stats, right? From highest to lowest, not lowest, right? I don't go below seven ratings, so I only. I'm, these are the these are the well-rated players of this match. Top-rated player Miralem Pjanic. I'll go over his stats, and he was very active, very involved, very positive in yesterday's match. No doubt about it. Second, Ersin Destanolu, and I mentioned two really good saves. I'll look into his stats too. Why not? Uh, then you have Valentin Rosier. I thought he was fantastic as well, no doubt. Wellington. Interesting. Probably just a million short passes, as usual. Nejip Uysal, which... Okay, that's interesting. Maybe something similar to the Wellington effect. You know, lots of small, short passes. But certainly, you know, it is worth noting. So, I did this before, so it's only this again. We've had two clean sheets now, in recent memory. Uh, it's been few and far between in this regard, but the only two clean sheets I can recall now, this one with Wellington and Nejip on the back line, and our last one with Serdar Sachi and Javi Montero on the back line. 
So the, the, the one missing link there is Domagoj Vida, who seems to not ever be involved in clean sheets, which is bad. Um, anyway, so then next up would be Ridvan Yilmaz at 7.66, pretty good rating. Michi Batshuayi obviously scored a goal. He's next. Doan Erdogan, who, you know, that's despite getting a card, a clumsy one. Then Joseph de Souza, 7.25. Alexandru Maxim, his shot was forced a good save. Papi Giloboji. And then right beneath the 7 mark at 6.99 is Furkan Soyal. And Rashid Kezal at 6.98. So if we're rounding up, he's in. Um, Ozan, interesting, has a 6.9, so he's right under the cusp, too, despite a very short stint in this match, so credit to him. But so, I think it's got to be between Miralem Pjanic, Ersin Destanolu, and Valentin Rosier. Those are the highest rated players, and those are standout performers. Um, Ersin's two major saves, you could say won us this match, right? Because otherwise it's 2-1 to one and we lose, or 1-1 one to one and we, right, we lose two points. Miralem Pjanic, now let's talk about these guys' stats. 90 minutes played, two shots, one on target, the other one blocked. So it's not like it was an off-target shot, it was just blocked by a defender. 69 accurate passes at an 88% rate. He created five chances. Um, 69 accurate passes out of 78. Again, 88%. He was 2 for 5 on his crosses, 5 for 7 on his long balls, 5 key passes, 95 touches. Just omnipresent. You love to see that. You love to see that, especially from a guy who, if there's one thing you could maybe question a little bit, it would be his involvement, his um, willingness to, to put it all out there, right? Not in this match. Uh, he won 4 duels out of 7. He even tracked back and had 15 recoveries. I'm going to be honest, since I started paying attention to this recovery stat, that might be the highest I've seen yet. So how about that? The 31-year-old Bosnian putting in a man-of-the-match performance, perhaps. Well, let's not hedge our bets. Next up, Ersin Destanolu. He would have three saves, two of them diving, one inside the box. And he acted as sweeper once. One high claim. Yeah, late in the game, actually. That was a good one. All right. Not bad. Not bad, kid. He had nine recoveries, which is interesting. He had nine accurate long balls out of 17. So a 68% um, passing success rate, which one of his weaknesses there. Uh, it's not exactly great numbers statistically, but okay. I can, I can live with it. I can live with it. Um, and then finally, Valentin Rosier, 77% passing success rate, 65 passes, two shots, uh, one on target, again, one blocked by a defender, 65 out of 80 foot passes, um, 120 touches. That might be a record. That might be a record since I started paying attention to that one. And that is an incredibly important stat, too. Yeah, he's my man of the match. Wow, I didn't even... I knew... I, I felt like he had a great match, but... Yeah, that will that would explain it, perhaps. He also had 10 recoveries as well. So, Pjanic with 15 recoveries, which might be an all-time record since I started paying attention. And then, Rosier 
with 128 touches, which, yeah, all right. He's my man of the match. There it is. Rosier, child of Besiktas, you win. Uh, and that's it for this match. Let's put this match aside. Let's talk about the standing. So we were in ninth place, as I mentioned, playing against 17th, or sorry, 7th placed Gaziantep. Interestingly, we've swapped places with them. Besiktas is now in 7th place and Gaziantep in 9th. They're still with 31 points. We now have 32. Nine wins, five draws, and seven losses. At 32 points, we're level on 32 points with Alanya Sport, but we have a plus three goal differential. They have a zero goal differential. Um, right above us is Fenner with 33 points now. So they're only one point ahead. Ahead of them and us. Um, Bashakshi here, who actually still has a, man, uh, a match in hand as well. Serious. So they have 34 points. They could have 37. They were scheduled to play Konya. Either way, so whoever wins that result, someone is losing points. That's ahead of us. Um, condolences to Konya Sport fans, obviously, for uh, Amitalik. But at the same time, I still want to pass you guys. Sorry. Um, so yeah, 34 points. Bashakti here and Adana Demir with 34. Then Hatayspor with 35 points. They got three points today against Galatasaray, who, it's worth noting, is in 13th place alone with 27 points. So there's only Girasun with 25, Antalya with 23, and Gostepe in 21 with, with 21 points. And those are the only teams that are outside of the relegation zone. Kasim Pasha has 21 points and is in the relegation zone right below there. So. Yeah, six points out of the relegation zone for Galatasaray. That's a bit of trouble for them, although we're only five points ahead of them, so it's not like anything's written in stone yet. Um, anyway, so Hatayspor is in third with 35 points. Konya in second with 39 points, a game in hand, as I mentioned. So they could have 42 if they were to beat Bashakshi here. And that would mean that they'd only be eight points behind Trabzonspor. Yes, that's right. I mean, that would mean that they would gain two points on them because Trabzon drew this week, drawing Sivas, which, you know, that's no surprise. Uh, Sivas at home, too. Um, yeah, Trabzon is good, but beating Sivas in Sivas is a whole thing unto itself. Never easy. Um, but so yeah, that's it. Besiktas in 7th place. We are 18 points behind 1st place, Trabzonspor. Uh, is the, the championship run out of the question? Well, pretty much. <laughs> I think we can say pretty much. Uh, again, 18 points. That would mean us uh, winning 6 games uh, and Trabzon losing 6 games. Uh, in a row, right? So in six weeks, should they lose six in a row and should we win the next six? We're in charge, baby. <laughs> Although, to be fair, there are like um, five other teams ahead of us besides Trabzon. So I guess, you know, there's a probably good chance that they wouldn't lose all of their matches as well. Although again, it's worth noting, we're only seven points behind Konya. Potentially 10, should they beat Bashakshi here. Uh, but you know, either way, seven points out of second place is not the end of the world. Ten points, not the end of the world, although you start to wonder if, you know, I mean, there's a lot of football to be played still, let's be real. We're 21 matches into the season, 
um, 34 match season. I think it is. Is that right? 34? No. It's more than 34 now. Hold on. That would be... No. It's a 36 match season. Is that right? No. It's 38. 38 match season. Yikes. Sorry for my little brain fart there. But yeah. Um, we have... 17 matches to go. We're barely past the halfway mark. So, uh, you know, nothing's done. I mean, I would, like, we won one to nil, right? Hardly commanding victory on the one hand. But again, against uh, a, a side in really good form. Uh, we got Bachuay to, to, to score in regular, like, not on a penalty. So, um, you know, maybe... He turns a corner and starts putting them in the way we hoped he would. At least to a greater extent, right? Like I said, eight goals and four saves is terrible either way, no matter how you cut it. But, uh, you know, perhaps we get a little bit more consistency out of him. And, you know, Rashid Ghazal seems to be really rounding into form. Valentin Rosier as well. You know, the, the, the foundation of our success last year is sliding back into effect. With, of course, the exception of Kyle Laren. Although... Scoring-wise, he's still chugging in above his weight, I think you could probably say. Anyway, stay tuned, folks. Who knows what the future will hold. One thing I do know is that you should follow me on Twitter at Sir underscore writes underscore a lot. Follow the podcast at Eagles underscore podcast on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram, Black Eagles Podcast, one word. Check out my other podcast, The Late Stage Podcast, for international news. Uh, quite seriously focused on international news. It's not just a cover for talking about American politics or anything. Um, and yeah, as always, let's go Belgium! Peace out, everybody! Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.